Namaste everyone. Thank you for joining another episode of my conversation with uh, my friend Shankar Bharadwaj Khandavali. All my conversations with him, as I've shared before, are very, very profound. And uh, we explore different topics from uh, Dharma Rajya to Islam to invasions into India and all sorts of things. Today, the topic of our discussion is the vision of uh, Hinduvi Swarajya or a Dharma Rajya. What does it really mean? What is the conceptualization? I imagine that this is uh, probably not going to end in one conversation. So we might have a series of conversations, perhaps on this topic before we move on to another topic in these conversations. So welcome. And when you're seeing the video, please leave your comments and your questions. If you learned something new um, uh, in the comment section, ask your questions and maybe I can pick them up with uh, Shankar in my following conversations. Thank you very much. Welcome Shankar. Namaste. Uh, a talk by Ambrish Fadnavis at Sangam Talk. He talked about uh, Anandavan Bhuvani. It seems to be a poem written by uh, Samarth Swami Ramdas, uh, inspiring, either inspiring Shivaji or perhaps written, um, you know, praising him that there is a Hinduvi Swarajya now um, happening. And he's dreaming of a Hinduvi Swarajya where he's talking about Tirthas and other things. In general, I've tried to find out what was Shivaji Maharaj's vision of Hinduvi Swaraj. What was the conceptualization? And other than Desh Dev Dharma, which actually comes up in uh, in the movie, this is Tanhaji, the movie Tanhaji. Tanhaji's wife is actually mentioning Desh Dev Dharma. And of course, we know that the whole point about uh, protecting Brahmins was edited out of the movie. Shivaji Maharaj's conceptualization or Maratha's conceptualization of what Hinduvi Swarajya may have would look like. That would be a great starting point. If we take one step further back, what is the background of Hindavi Swaraj or why it had to be coined that way? We have seen over time, let us say, there was a Ramarajya. Even Gandhi talks of Ramarajya. Then we know of uh, Yudhishthira's uh, Samarajya, where he had established uh, Dharmic state, and then from time to time, then Vikramarka was there. From time to time, great emperors, great Chakravartis have established a Dharmic state. So, time to time, we had this uh, uh, attempt at uh, uh, establishing a righteous state. They, they always not necessarily had a uh, proper noun to it, calling it this or that. The most popular probably had become the Ramarajya, that is why. A lot of people had taken that name uh, as late as this century. I think it will continue to be uh, anything successful would probably be compared to Ramarajya, even in the future, because Rama is our civilizational icon, no matter uh, how many centuries pass by. Then what exactly is this about Hindavi Swaraj? Why did they have to come up with this term and not just a continuation of a uh, re-establishment of a dharmic state because such attempts have happened. Uh, the Vijayanagara did, the Kakatiyas did, the Ahoms did, everybody tried uh, and succeeded to whatever extent they had established. Why did this idea of Hindavi Swaraj take off and why is its legacy today, the Hindutva movement, although it doesn't exactly use the same terminology, it now uses Hindu Rashtra instead of Hindavi Swaraj. It's a uh, Honestly, in my opinion, it's a politically correct 
uh, redefinition not really a change of idea if you ask me because hindavi uh, swaraj is more of a political model and we don't want to say that we want to establish a hindu state today in a secular democracy it's just that political correctness conceptually i don't think they crave anything very different whether it is savarkar or you know the rss or the later movements they basically want the same thing but they wanted to suit to today's uh, socio political model why did that uh, coinage of uh, marathas become so relevant today all uh, the way in the past until the marathas it was taken for granted that we the indic civilization has certain state and society model and that model was never challenged outsiders came the invasions came and then they were repelled and then eventually the default idea was that this society this land always has certain culture and certain uh, polity that is suited to govern it and that had been fundamentally changed with the advent of islam with the imposition of islam the differences are uh, manifold uh, wherever uh, uh, the islamic empire came the social order was changed it got feudalized it got oppressed a lot of changes social changes also internally came not just that a political model was changed so the desha dharma deva all the three were disrupted therefore there was a need not just to reestablish a polity that is protective of the civilization but also a polity that makes a distinction between the insider and the outsider in terms of ways of life let us say the shakas or hunas or whoever came they eventually got assimilated we have we had a solution for them to assimilate eventually so that the civilization had uh, continued to prosper now what we saw in the recent centuries was not a assimilative invader we saw a uh, invader who wants to assimilate us into him and remove our own identity so that is where this need to separate the insider and outsider had come at the identity level that is where the uh, the hindu and non hindu distinction came otherwise technically strictly speaking the hindu is basically a geographic identity everybody knows that but that was not sufficient to make such an uh, distinction because now inside the territory itself you had 20 25% of uh, people who were believing in an outsider mindset or outsider ideology so to uh, to ensure that we uh, have a solution for that division distinction you need a hindu empire not just governing the hindus it also needs to have a solution for the entire landscape and people of all forms of life people having all following all ways of life in that context it is the hindavi swaraj that uh, the marathas had uh, conceived and uh, the today's hindutva movement which is which i would practically say is a legacy of the uh, marathas in almost every way it is uh, the hindutva is nearly just a political replacement it is its primary focus is not spiritual cultural although it says so 
it claims that it is uh, socio cultural it doesn't claim to be a political movement but basically it is trying to fill the political void that got created by uh the colonial uh, uh, government colonial state i mean we can go into that uh, criticism later on but primarily in terms of polity this is the rationale for us earlier it was universal they did not need to distinguish the insider and outsider because the outsider became part of us so in our ecosystem he could live coexist peacefully with others now we have an ideology which doesn't believe in coexistence so you needed a different definition that is the origin of the hindavi swaraj and same with sarkars uh, same with the hindu rashtra that uh, the arya samaj or the uh, hindu mahasabha or rss all these people uh, also watch for just uh, maybe a little deviation but the rss actually goes on beating the drum if you like that all uh, the word hindu actually includes muslims and includes christians and what you might what you classified as outsider um mentality if you like people who will not coexist with the civilizational values what is there a comment you have on that don't have to take it very seriously because uh, firstly they believe in the ground operation they don't believe in uh, technical definitions they don't care the definition is accurate think whatever works works so i would not actually give too much of weightage to the convenience definitions it is a convenience definition but secondly they are not very wrong in that when they when you uh, talk of their position about the church or the muslims they basically say your loyalty needs to be to the land then it doesn't matter what you follow this is also basically what the marathas or any other uh, hindu empire had uh, been uh, uh, telling the abrahamic from this position uh, are the insiders yes are the insiders of this land they are insiders of the land again savarkar's uh, distinction comes right do they have this as only the uh, fatherland or, or the holy land obviously it is not their holy land it is only their fatherland so they have a divided loyalty that is accepted everywhere it's not as if we have to now debate that question is what is the solution to it and how do you make them feel part of this land how do you not alienate them because persons as persons they are persons it's not as if uh, there is one ideology making them behave in a certain way so you you also need to uh, while you require the clarity to deal with the problem you also need to make uh, just in a way that problem becomes solvable that assimilation becomes solvable possible in a long term how is it done is this the correct uh, definition or not yeah that is it is an open question you can debate on it but in itself you don't have to really go into the definition and call it wrong because i don't think they are actually uh trying to give a definition there they are just using convenience you need some way to tell them that you belong to this land but you belong to uh, you believe in an ideology that is making you non assimilative how do you convey this i think they have taken this terminology which may not be accurate i believe it will evolve over time they will also change their definition and so help me again so you're saying that the this definition of both hindu swaraj and say the idea that 
uh, outsider or alien value systems to make them at least have some loyalty to the holy land if you like so it is it more a political thing is it more a political boundary is it to the land or is it to the uh, spiritual values because the moment you call it holy it becomes holy because of the spiritual value systems because of the shakta peethas of the jyotirlingas of the sacredness of the indian geography which is which cannot be separated from the spiritual spirituality yeah but that part is clear i think we uh, that this is treated as holy land only by the pagans is pretty clear i don't think there is any confusion there the others uh, the abrahamics who live here they only have this as their fatherland not as a holy land so what is the vision of hindu rashtra not vision i don't want to get into uh, you know your communication of the the solution and all of that but say the rss uh, idea of that if you are in india you are a hindu and so they are basically trying to say that at least have your loyalty to the fatherland and yes. do not have split loyalties which actually look to areas outside of the political boundaries of india as also your brethren yes and like uh, saying you should have a indian church which, which has loyalties to india it doesn't it should not be sponsored from external uh, uh, countries all these sorts of things okay so these are basically their asks same with the uh, islamic thing don't be a you know colony of arabs inside india be indian muslims okay can we delve a little bit on this of the indian church and indian muslims of this idea maybe want to take you and hopefully we'll come back and not get lost in this direction is the pashmanda muslims for example right we've been having talks in sangam talks with people like uh, mohammed faiz khan a wonderful man with uh, uh, fayaz ahmed faizi Uh, and uh, fayaz ahmed faizi for example is belongs to this new movement this upcoming movement called the pashmanda muslim movement they basically uh, he and a large part of them i find are from bihar i am sure there are people who call themselves part of the pashmanda movement from karnataka andhra tamil nadu other places as well at least they say so but they are from bihar and they say that basically all our traditions all right the marriage tradition not all sorry marriage traditions for example we will go do a nikah but basically come home and do all the haldi in the hand the the way when you enter a home the footprint in the home they will even do some sort of a phira i recently heard on some badmed uh, 250 muslims who after the ram janmabhoomi movement or the shilanayas of the ram janmabhoomi mandir actually said enough is enough we are now formally converting into hindus and they decided among themselves only and i was looking at their video and they were basically saying that all our customs are hindu except when we die we were buried other than that probably nothing you know yes we would go to a masjid there also we would not be treated equally yeah by the i don't know by the ashrafs for right. example there anyway that second grade third grade muslims, muslims treated from the arab uh, 
yeah standards and so there are some part of muslims who actually claim their ancestry to the arabs or the turks and call themselves true muslims even though i'm not sure if there is any lineage there or is it just that they they have adopted a surname which elevates them to some level i'm not even sure about that yeah so <laughs> so i was i was seeing this these people right and so for example fayaz nafez mohammed khan actually goes to vaishnodevi is such a wonderful man will actually go and put a mitti in the ram janmabhoomi mandir saying that ye ram ka mandir mera bhi hai yeah and travels all over the of course he got massive criticism for it and was massively under attack he is now somebody i'm well acquainted to so i know him very well and know his values very well i can vouch for him yeah and uh, he keeps his roza does his namaz but basically at heart he is a hindu all his values are he he goes to temples so uh, there are many like that uh, in fact the, but the question is uh, how would their number increase you don't have to adopt these practices but you should understand that this is the land and i can coexist with people here rather than seeing them as uh, different from me when it comes to my so- society it should not be two societies all together it should be uh, just like we have we anyway are a diverse society we we are not a monolithic society we don't believe in one religion or one uh, cultural group or one social group. we have infinite group but for that would they not have to like the jews take the old testament would the muslims of india not have to start taking quran and very loosely that yaha yeah, ha i mean this has its place it has no relevance right now i mean we can still believe in some monotheistic idea of one god and all of that yeah, yeah that, no that's where i am But, coming hmm. so for that to happen that assimilation uh, process uh, if you see the bhakti movements they had actually laid bridges for such see you can't start from the top and get these things done with a monotheistic uh, system because it is not open for an argument indian traditions you have all these uh, sampradayas they are primarily open for debate that is how they enable assimilation or uh, uh, you know harmony so harmony in this case needs to be achieved from the ground not from the philosophy because philosophy is fundamentally intolerant so at the same time you can't say they have to reject their philosophy so you need to take things to a pass where philosophy becomes uh, redundant and day to day life majority of uh, individuals in any society they don't care a damn about philosophy right they care about what they practice day to day philosophy is uh, in any society meant for a minority philosophy is only visible through certain practices but it's not as if people try to live philosophy day to day conscious so this problem needs to be tackled at the ground level where person to person you try to build that thing now uh, that is how people like uh, you know i forget uh, ibrahim gardi or whoever those people who uh, could transcend those boundaries and uh, achieve harmony that's how they did uh, on a parallel thread parallel effort can the philosophy be refined is it possible that is a, it needs to be worked out there is no doubt you once it is exposed let us say uh, i forget again the name uh, 
Kerala governor. Arif Mohammed Khan. Khan, sorry. So he is also practically a Hindu for all. But again, he does not again delve into this philosophy. All practical examples you see, they don't actually get into the philosophy. Actually, I, I find him taking Quranic verses and applying the idea of oneness to almost a Brahman level of oneness. He he transcends that. He does not reduce the the Allah to the to the Christian or Islamic version of a jealous and angry and all of that God. He takes them and actually applies them to a Brahman concept, a Dvaitic concept. That's what I continuously find in his lectures. We've hosted him. Yeah. yeah. So in some terms, he's a he's a blasphemer by by the core. <laughs> exactly. So if you that's what so he's basically putting your philosophy into that terminology so that it becomes relatable and then right, it's not exactly that he's either changing their philosophy so yeah it, it's a i think a long way to go in terms of assimilation that's a very long way to go there need to emerge a lot of uh, articulations that uh, you know enable such thing at uh, uh, okay i i tend to see this at four level uh, as I have explained in the Dharmarajya thing also. The worldview, then the doctrine level, then you have an institutional level, then there is a lived reality. Lived reality is where person-to-person interaction and the human relations in the society, how you influence things and make them uh, uh, live with you side by side. Because all said and done, we know that we have uh, earlier worked with a lot of invaders, the Shakas, Hunas, and over time, and uh, even more recent uh, Ones. If you see the Baloch region, also they are they live more like pagans than uh, you know the intolerant uh, Abrahamics. So the influence spheres of influence keep uh, expanding. Even, as... even the Kurds, possibly. You agree? Yeah, yes. Kurds yes. also. Yeah, fine. That's why they are facing troubles there. So that that is one. Then the institutional can we actually uh, influence their institutions? which is not practical because they have to redefine their institutions to become uh, more uh, tolerant or whatever so that their operation becomes because institutional structure determines how individuals actually conduct what are the regulations under which they behave by institutions you mean the madrasas and the masjids or uh, so in our case the institutions would be like your uh, varnashramas then the vivaha, the marriage, the brahmacharya, all these things. The continuing processes, if you would want to call that. Not right. exactly the organizations governing these institutions. Sorry, I m- might have lost your flow of thought. Uh, are you saying modify the institutions, which means the Abrahamic institutions? Or are you saying our institutions and make them ready to... No, no, I'm giving the example them. of our... what. Uh, I'm referring to as institutions. Similarly, for them, they have their marriage uh, system, they have their uh, brotherhood, whatever they have as construct, their collective construct. I mean, what? You mean example there, right? Ummah is a collective construct, for example. It is, yeah. Like Jamaat is. But that's not an, is that, you call that an institution. The institution would be the madrasa or or the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the collective processes and uh, constructs which are there, which are continuing, 
okay. and then you have the organizations that are uh, uh, running these things governing these practices okay or uh, so these organizations are temporal they can change but these organizations are designed according to those processes and their doctrine the doctrine itself draws from the world view basically what is the nature of man what is the nature of world what is the nature of uh, divine and what is the relation between these three and this is the basis for all the doctrines so now can you change their world view can you change their doctrine in a way that their institutions will change that is all practically out of bounds for us that has to happen internally for each society but okay. for anything to happen the thought process change has to happen at the lived reality things have to change and with human experience first hand experience people find the need to change that probably is how the hindutva is currently dealing with the problem they are trying to bring a change at that level and then inspired people are trying to give articulations saying uh, no this is how you can interpret so that you can achieve harmony live a peaceful coexist the collective processes draw from institutions and institutes institutions from doctrines which draw from further from their world view and it is not possible us for for us possibly to change their world view world views need to happen from internal mm. yes so you're saying that our work has to be at the lived reality level which is people to people connect correct and which is what uh, the rss for example is trying to do by calling right. them hindus yeah i'll uh, correct so yeah thanks for bringing me back to the right point uh, so from the point where the people are inspired and want to change so for mm-hmm. instance there are people who want to practically convert okay uh, or formally also convert but who cannot there is a blasphemy law and they, there is a threat to life so there it's a question of incentive system where am i encouraged to change my ways of life am i uh, allowed to change my ways of life the incentive is always the downward right a civilized uh, man can always become a barbarian but the other way around is difficult and terror operates quite in that direction terror is an uh, is the main construct that uh, or the main instrument that keeps the believer a believer it prevents a believer from becoming a non believer and it prevents a non believer from poaching any believer once you uh, deal with that once the terror as an instrument has been dealt with then peaceful coexistence is achieved and that is exactly how the hindu kings had dealt in the past once they had established a hindu empire the terror element was removed now when people were coexisting hindus and muslims they didn't have any social problems and wherever there was a problem there was a peaceful solution also because people to people dealings were fine so both they removed the terror uh, of course their ability to do terror on the hindus as well as the terror within their own societies like the blasphemy laws they removed both that you cannot uh, kill or behead like they say sartan se juda for either criticizing uh, muhammad or for uh, 
uh, somebody wanting to convert both of them punishable by beheading under islam so they, the they second remember. part was not dealt very strictly i don't think the interference was to the point that you can't apply a blasphemy law that internal threat was possibly still there but each society had its own independent existence so that was not a big issue because hindu society also had its own constructs of outcasting people so it worked both ways and overall there was a equilibrium and that equilibrium ensured harmony and non violence at the people level whenever there was an attack there was a counter attack that meant that there was no need for them to attack there was no or uh, not more than need there was no benefit in attacking because it would be met with uh, counter violence and there is no productive gains for any society to attack any other society you mean physical attack or you mean intellectual like outcast yeah. and you you grab onto the outcasts of hindus while the person converting to wanting to reconvert or ghar ghar vapsi to hinduism so i mean if if there was an attempt to convert then there was an equal attempt by the hindus to bring in the people who wanted to bring in so that is what you're talking about or are you really both, talking both physical part was there physical okay. part is where the state comes into picture the physical uh, intimidation and that part was uh, taken down with state action uh in the social sphere where the or the cultural sphere where the conversions and reconversions happened yeah reconversions were also there there was no killing of hindus for converting or reconverting under hindu states that was curtailed uh, with physical uh, means right now it is the other way around right i mean you can be killed for blasphemy whether you are a hindu or a non hindu if you are put uh, converting a muslim into a non muslim you can be killed but the other way around doesn't happen and state ensures that the other way around doesn't happen so you have created a one way traffic with full state power so once this is removed uh, and that is what hindutva is probably trying to do uh, to whatever success that is debatable I mean, but maybe in words but uh, i don't think there is any understanding i mean of 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 this is is uniform civil code a tool for doing that uniform civil code is basically trying to get to a least common denominator nothing more than that if uh, you can't have uh, polygamy they can't have polygamy that's the kind of that doesn't if human nature is inherently diverse and state should not be imposing itself to decide uh, how people should live or marry then you, you are better off removing those codes than imposing those codes from the state this is all a christian thought process that state imposes monogamy human is by nature monogamous to to a large extent and that should be socially done it should not be done from the state now if it is done from the state we are seeing what happens to the society right in the west the society has broken up now they don't they neither have monogamy nor polygamy they basically have a broken society marriage as an institution itself broke up there now they have serial monogamy it's not even monogamy it's so i mean it's not any gamy at all <laughs> so if it is not a lifelong commitment it's not a marriage at all you cannot show cases of uh, atrocity or oppression and say that uh, this is an excuse for breaking up that institution uh, you no know, crime needs to be dealt as a crime efficiently by the state 
without disrupting social institutions that wisdom if it is not there then state is not doing its job correctly anyway this is a digression going back uh, no this connects me very beautifully to what i've been hearing about on milton friedman and all the videos i've been sending you not only in economic theory but it is also about states interference in almost every area and what i found most profound in milton friedman's in lectures at cornell university and everywhere else was this whole thing that he continues to say that the the interference by the us government for example or any government in in the western countries which is what most of his focus remains has been on the single single parent uh teenage um, uh pregnancy for example the entire thrust the the woke movement to actually counterproductively puts the blacks at a disadvantage rather than all these laws wokeism trying to lift them up and he's spot on i mean he's not only talking about economic theory but it sweeps across all social constructs and so what you're saying is exactly that right very beautiful going back this uh, uniform civil code that is what it is achieving ultimately this civil code has to be rolled back to a point where i mean for the for that matter the whole hindu civil code is there is nothing hindu about it it's a christian code foisted on hindus without any consultation of hindus so this is anyway a historical atrocity that we need to roll back and correct over time i think what they are doing as an emergency measure is to through the uniform civil code they are just trying to achieve some level of homogeneity so that you can be bad to everybody instead of just one <laughs> so that doesn't show an intent to be actually good yeah or in their mind it is all good actually like once again milton friedman says that the worst uh things are achieved by really good intentioned men with good men with good intentions yeah wait to hell but uh, i don't i don't know that uh, because if you uh, read by golwalkar he doesn't believe it's a great idea this may be a exigency a contingency measure this is the best you can achieve in the current situation because you can't redo the whole process we don't have a framework to rewrite how civil liberties or civil constructs exist in a free pagan hindu society in the absence of such a theory you are living with what you have within this try to make amends in a way uh, things can be made uh, more equal that's the best that can be said do we have an alternative to write framework at this time we don't have any articulate uh, statement of that yet so in the absence of it what are you going to do? we'll just tinker things here and there and say that okay this is more we can live with this better than what we had earlier but uh, on a related note uh, about the incentive system what is the uh, how are you going to achieve harmony again the the notion of religion in our constitution and the notion of uh, right to propagate these actually incentivize heavily the intolerant and disadvantage the tolerant again these require rework in a direction where you incentivize the tolerant and discourage the intolerant then we have a responsible state 
aiming at harmony where you don't actually kill people for blasphemy all these things you ensure that state protects everybody and then let people choose whatever way of life they want to choose on the merit of the uh philosophy or based on their own stature that freedom if it is there then we have solved the problem we don't actually have any insecurity that a free man is going to choose that religion above this religion and we don't want that but right now when active insecurity is created by the state that the state will protect certain group and will not protect certain group and paradoxically that is happening in a secular state and that is exactly what the uh, hindavi swaraj has had undone in the past and what we should be doing in the coming times let's actually go to that uh let's go to some detailing of of that so one you mentioned is take away the incentive of of terror as a tool to keep people from choosing whatever they, their life that they want to choose ideally uh, internal terror as well like the blasphemy laws applied to their own society uh, ideally that as well right not only uh, to the hindus for example for right. blasphemy like yati narsinghanand maharaj saying something about the prophet he equally has the right to say about hindus and about ram and krishna but only if he says about the prophet there is sartan se juda all over the country in bangladesh they break temples in pakistan they break temples against him and ask for his murder and the state basically cannot do anything about it so it's that terror on hindus has to be taken away and that you're saying that terror has to be dealt as a crime as terror that this you cannot do for sure right that's easy for the indian state to do i mean that should be very it easy it is easy for the indian state but the indian state or any state in the world even the british state i don't think this just have the wherewithal or the courage to do that they are not equipped to do that now whatever violence is happening within uh, the west in the europe do they have an understanding of how they can deal with it from a state they know it is clearly a crime all that is happening is crime but are they able to deal with it do they have an articulate formulation of the problem let alone solution and are they able to bring anything through the legislation in a way they can deal with this so i'm not getting you uh, so their tool is if you treat it simply as a crime to threaten somebody or whatever right for example macron he says that our, our right to uh, vilify anybody whether it is jesus or mohammed or ram or lakshmi whoever we will allow that and that is a value system of our nation state and so he will project the cartoons of mohammed on the building or whatever whatever he did um now if anybody goes against it the state will come down and treat it like a crime correct so of the murder of charlie yeah. hebdo so that is so but that is not a practical statement that's what i'm saying that is why it is not working out there it's not working because the 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 state no. cannot exercise its will uh, when society acts on its own volition when society but okay because uh, if the society has its own norms saying that this is how we are going to conduct you are not going to in france for example 7% of the society right 
they are going to elect their own representatives yeah they are going to resist any legislation that that goes like this yes number 3 whatever crime is uh, conducted by them the state can't act on them with its full force because it will be termed as hate there is a political correctness angle that is brought in by the media yes that that is correct the liberals are operating the media is operating so this is there is nothing uh, here about uh, uh, a state level formulation or a legislation that can deal with this problem this is a ground level problem you need to deal with okay Help. this is an operational dynamic and this operational dynamic they are unable to figure out how they can crack this okay now if if you switch back to say chatrapati shivaji then what happened what would have changed if it was not treated like terror then what would have changed he had no up to uh, hinduiswaraj hinduiswaraj yeah, yeah. so he had no uh, hesitation in saying that my kingdom is like this and these are the rules so what is the difference between a france and a hinduiswaraj over there in this context a france is also saying this okay, is okay, my state uh, so basically a france is a secular state it's not a hinduiswaraj okay so france is not governed by dharma okay so, so then let's define dharma i mean isn't that terror is not going to be allowed isn't that a statement of dharma that Or, is an operational statement of dharma it is not a legislated statement of dharma being a secular state it has to draw a line between religion and uh, non religious spheres of life church state separation has to happen and the state does not interfere with church if the church operates in certain way state has the right to interfere only when there is a violation of the state's powers here there is no clear statement of that uh, in uh, hindavi swaraj there is no secular or non secular the king has openly said that i am going to rule my country according to this 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 religious norm not religious norm or a dharma uh, dharmic norm saying that according to dharma these people need to be protected the stree bala vridha brahmana need to be protected at all costs that is the first priority and this is a question that narada has asked to dhritarashtra or vya or any other king in the past every time we see in the puranas where asir goes to a king they ask the same set of questions are these people protected in your country are the innocent fearless are the criminals afraid of your kingdom of your rule so these are the standard questions that any rishi would ask a king now just try to ask the same questions today are your women and children and old men and learned men free and fearless today no they are not protected secular states morals are not those that's the whole problem secular state does not start with that as their priority if you protect the soft elements of civilization you have protected the civilization because they are going to generate the required soft power required for your future and soft elements of civilization are most threatened in a barbaric society so the only way you have to deal with them is you need to physically isolate them in, and uh, create layers around them for, for physical protection so that is more or less the centuries of past we have seen here as a response to the invasions 
a more better articulation of uh, our innocent fearless are the criminals fearful and these soft elements maybe some delving into what is the what is this framework maybe the stree bala vridha and brahmana the protection are they protected do they feel protected i mean honestly islam would say the same thing if you go to saudi arabia or the entire muslim narrative indian muslim narrative in india if you are part of any muslim groups the the common claim is that the the uh, crime rate is the lowest in saudi arabia see one is by what is documented as a crime i mean the arabs actually are ruthless no, 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 no. so so that is where the difference comes yeah strivala vridha and brahmana who strivala vridha you have a dichotomy of insider and outsider you say protect the insider woman and attack the outsider woman so it is all true so, so in islam not protection of strivala vridha brahmana it's not dharma at all yeah so there is this whole what you're saying very beautifully is that it is our three bala and brahmana who are protected within islam and within christianity the outsider is actually supposed to be attacked and either religiously converted or even attacked by by quran or by the hadith even kufr is the worst of it all it's not about good or bad about it's about kufr that's the whole point so whereas your uh, devatas all uh, they don't ask you whether you are a vaishnava or a seva the, the devata protects whoever is dharmic do you have daiva chintana do you have rujuvartana which is probity in conduct so daiva is always in favor of people who follow dharma who are righteous without any difference of which tradition they are following we have countless instances of how the outsiders also you know could uh, could be saved by the devatas and all so not having a vertical split in the world into insider outsider that is a feature of dharma anyway right i mean that's that proved to be a disadvantage and we had to create a hindavi instead of a dharmic is where our conversation started but at the state level you don't need that dichotomy insider outsider only the geographic and geocultural matter but these rules need to be applied uniformly you need to protect srivala vridha of uh, all groups because state uh, state has to invest in what is your long term uh, asset civilization grows if the soft elements are protected very very nice i have loved this conversation so far i feel so enriched thank you so much shankar only uh, addition would be in the extension of the same thing uh, just compare what is happening in kerala bangal kashmir mm-hmm. or bangladesh what happened to your uh, the non muslim uh, uh strivala purdhas how they are treated how you treat the weakest of the outsider is a mark of your civilization you, or your standing so that that uh, gives a very good coordinate or a framework for us to compare and see when we draw this false equivalences between uh, you know they say the same thing or they aim the same thing they all seek the same god all these kinds of things the on uh, that is why i say once you get to lived reality it looks exactly the opposite of what is claimed
then you get into the debate uh, that uh, all this is done in spite of the doctrine and not because of doctrine you are saying that the whole society is operating in spite of the doctrine then wh- what is the use of the doctrine why don't you just leave a doctrine that can be applied uh, to a large population yeah uh, i think uh, as we probably talk more about the doctrinal or the world view or the theology we can uh, see these more clearly and then as a promise we have to talk about devatas as well and move into that context as well shankar thank you very much once again this has thank been you. really really beautiful if you like it please ask your questions like i said to me to shankar uh, in the youtube comments and we can take up some of these as we go along in our conversations wonderful for your thank you for your time shankar namaste